Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I would like to welcome you back to the Broken Vessels podcast, and I'm just so very grateful that you've joined me once again to talk about theological themes for the broken, to bring hope and encouragement in Christ. And I have a wonderful guest with me here today. Um, he's a 1517 contributor. Well, actually, he's on staff at 1517 now full-time, but it's Eric Sorensen. Eric is in charge of church partnerships in the development department at 1517. His Bachelor of Science in Organizational Leadership is from Biola University, and his MDiv is from Lutheran Brethren Seminary. Eric has served as a pastor in Fontana, California, Staten Island, New York, and Roxbury, New Jersey. In 2015, he planted Epiphany Lutheran Church in New York City, New York. Eric is the host of the Law Gospel Devotional podcast and co-host of 30 Minutes in the New Testament and Field Guide to the Bible podcasts. And he is also a co-author of Scandalous Stories, a sort of commentary on on the parables. And I'm having Eric on today because number one, I so appreciate his ministry, just like I appreciate so many 1517 folks. Like all of you know how much we love Chad Bird here. And we just had Gretchen Ronovic on recently. And these folks, man, they love Jesus and they love the gospel. And they do such a good job of helping us to really understand the gospel and see who Jesus is for us. And Eric does a great job at this. And we are actually going to talk today about brokenness and our devotional life. And the reason I chose this topic with Eric is because he does the Law Gospel devotional podcast, and it's so encouraging. So Eric, welcome to the Broken Vessels podcast. I'm so glad that you're here to join us today. Well, thank you, Joshua. I'm really glad to be here with you to talk about brokenness in our devotional life as uh, I have plenty of examples of my own brokenness when it comes to my own devotional life. And yet somehow, by the grace of God, he has uh, seen fit to pour his word into me and to use me as he sees fit to share that word with others. So thankful to be able to do it again today. Amen. Amen. Now, we did talk a little bit uh, before we started recording kind of about the trajectory of where things have been for you the past couple of years. You had planted a church in New York. It closed in 2020, you said, and then you co-pastored a church there in Roxbury, New Jersey for a while, but now you're back in California. Now, what part of California are you in? I am in a city called Rancho Cucamonga. Now, oh, wow. I realize, yes, yeah, so <laughs> That's, that's the normal response from most people. Say that three times fast. California. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, uh, but I was I was raised here in Rancho Cucamonga. It's um, it's a suburb of Los Angeles, about forty minutes east of downtown LA. Like, you know, typical. If you've been to Southern California, anybody that's listening from Southern California knows that there's not really any break from Los Angeles until you get to like 
Palm Springs. It's right. just one suburb after another. Yeah. And Rancho is one of those suburbs, a couple hundred thousand people, you know, lots of chains, a Chili's and an Applebee's and a few different in and outs, which is my favorite. Oh, thing. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so kind of typical suburb. But I've been here for the last couple of years after spending uh, 10 years working in uh, in New York City. So a very urban setting, you know, there I was serving as a full time pastor and church planner. But for the last couple of years, have served full time with 1517, both creating content, as you mentioned, the podcast videos, etc. And then on the other hand, trying to get our resources into churches hands so that congregations can hopefully benefit from uh, from what we have to offer. Man, that's great. That is awesome. Well, let's just go ahead and get into the conversation here. I'm going to just go ahead and start off by asking you, you know, obviously with all of your pastoral experience and uh, ministry experience and what you do with 1517, you're going to be able to really speak to these things well. When we come to the scripture in our own personal devotional life and we read and we meditate on what we're reading, what would you say are some of the most important things that, you know, us average folks sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, we're getting in our Bible during the week. What are some things that we need to keep in mind as average everyday Christians when we come to the Word of God in our devotional life? There's, I think, a lot that can be said in response to this question. Maybe the best way to go about this is to answer some of the things I think you should try and avoid. Yeah. And then at the same time, mention some of the things that you should try and pursue when you come to the scriptures. So number one, I think the most common problem I see when people come to the scriptures for their own devotions is what we might call proof texting or taking scripture out of context. Yeah. So, and as, as my is, listeners know, uh, we've talked about this type of thing, and we call it biblicism. Cherry-picking scripture and basically making it say things that it's not actually saying. Yes, it's a very common thing. You'll see it on Instagram all the time, on social media, people who want to post something that sounds biblical or spiritual in nature, you know, will post a, a cute crochet or picture or something of a verse. And, you know, not all the time, but a good chunk of the time, that verse is, you know, it has a context that is going to maybe change the way that we would naturally understand that. So, you know, the classic example of this is uh, one that you see on the back of cars and you see people quote all the time, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And if you take that out of context, well, it makes all the sense in the world to quote that for being able to, you know, win the Super Bowl or whatever the case may (laughs) be. be, you know, I mean, this is the way that verse is used. But in reality, the context is the Apostle Paul talking about going through trials, persecution, suffering, struggling, and not having necessarily victory. I mean, after all, he wrote that verse from a jail. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what you, he didn't, he didn't mean by that, I can do all things, including unlock my chains and escape this jail anytime I want. Right. That's not what he meant. But what he meant is that he would be able to endure all things that come at him because because of the context and the situation he's in. Amen. And so so I think that that is a pretty common issue. It's not intentional. I, I don't think people are thinking in terms of, I just want to rip verses out of context. I think a lot of the time churches actually kind of teach that. Yeah, they, I was just going to say that. I think it's because of the way that they're being taught or the way they're being trained to come to the scriptures is the reason why they're doing it. And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's intentional. It's bad 
teaching in a church is <laughs> what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just or or, not, or incomplete teaching, I think, a lot yeah. of the time is what you find. And so that's a big one. Um, another one is I think people are naturally prone, and, and I am too. I mean, I, everything that I'm mentioning here, by the way, I only know because I've done all of them. Amen. Um, so, you know. <laughs> We've all been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done this before plenty of times. The second thing I'd mention is wanting the Bible to make you kind of the main character. And so you come to the scriptures looking for what the Bible's telling you about your life today. And so yeah, that's you sort huge. of... Yeah, you can, if you want to determine what the will of God is for your life, well, you just randomly open up to a psalm and you read a few verses and you go, I think this is telling me, I think the Lord is saying through this psalm that I should, in fact, move to Hawaii to pursue a ministry, you know, career or whatever the case may be. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with moving to Hawaii and pursuing a ministry career, but we sort of want to go to the Bible and make it a book that is all about us. And again, that's re enforced from churches all mm. the time because it, think about it you have what was that uh, abbreviation that I used to hear when I was a teenager the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth yeah. <laughs> well well what does that what does that mean that means or it's that the roadmap the Bible roadmap yeah, for your life yeah that's right so I go to the Bible looking for advice about how I should best live it and that's basically you know the main point of it and so it's a helpful little word of advice amongst many other pieces of advice that I can get from podcasts and in social media and anywhere else. And what I'm going to say is no, in fact, the Bible is not about you. The Bible is ultimately pointing us to the person and work of Jesus Christ on behalf of people just like you and me. In fact, in fact, for us. So it is in one sense about us, but it's about us to the extent that it's telling us what Jesus says about us and what Jesus says he's done for us. Mm. And so if we go to the scriptures and we sort of divorce ourselves from what Jesus is doing in the scriptures, then we make a pretty big mistake. We have to remember every time, whether we're in the Old or New Testament, no matter what it is, when Jesus speaks to his disciples on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24, he makes it very clear, and not just there, makes it very clear that all of the scriptures are about him. Amen. And since <laughs> all of the scriptures are about him, that means our interpretive grid when we come to the scriptures is, where do I find him here? Amen. Amen. Another thing I want to say, too, that I really appreciated, especially at the beginning when you started doing the Law Gospel devotional podcast, where you did kind of that little primer on helping people to understand what is this Law Gospel distinction. I think that's a huge thing. At least for me, it was transformational in the way that I looked at the scriptures. It was really good too the way that you gave examples like, okay, well, what does this sound like? Well, is this a law or is this gospel? And then what is this? This is gospel. So I would like to point my listeners, go check that out because it's really good, especially the beginning where he gives you the primer. It gives you kind of a foundation so that then now as he's gone on and he's shared these devotionals throughout the scriptures, 
he comes at it with that law gospel paradigm, which all of you know, here at our podcast, we're very, very big on the law gospel distinction. So it was a huge thing for me too, Joshua. I mean, I, I was not raised in a tradition that taught law and gospel as a way of looking at the scriptures (laughs) to the degree that I did go to church. It was sort of a verse by verse style of teaching the Bible, but there was, there was no real way that was suggested to reconcile these apparent contradictions that you find in scripture Mm. that on the one hand, the scriptures will tell us cursed is everyone that does not do every single thing written in the book of the law. That is a direct quote from the Bible. Cursed is everyone who doesn't do everything written in the law. And yet at the same time, you have Paul going on and on and on in Romans and Galatians, especially saying no one has met that standard. Right. No one has come even close to obeying the law. Everyone is worthy of condemnation. And the wages of that sin is death. Death. And so you say, well, what then is the answer? I mean, clear, if we're honest, is we're worthy of condemnation because we have disobeyed the law. Well, that's where the Apostle Paul will also come in, in Romans and Galatians, and really throughout all of the New Testament, and say, but there is one who has fulfilled the law in your stead, Mm -hmm. and that one is Jesus Christ. And there we get the word of the gospel. And so the law and gospel is a way of trying to handle these two opposing words in Scripture that really the Apostle Paul introduces us to in especially Romans 4, Romans 5, Galatians 2 and 3, you're going to get this kind of language all throughout those epistles. And so it was revolutionary to me. Suddenly I was able to come to the scriptures and make sense of these apparent contradictions that I was seeing all the time. Mm. To the degree that we're answering your first question still, on the positive side, even as I've warned you about things that you shouldn't do, I think one thing you really need to try to do when you come to the scriptures is ask yourself, where do we hear the law? That is a conditional statement. And where do we hear the gospel? That is a statement declaring what has been done for us, even in spite of us. Right. And I can promise you, if you're reading the scriptures, you will see that. It will start to become clearer and clearer to you in your devotional life. And it really creates this sort of beautiful cycle in the Christian's life in which the law is reminding us of why we need to repent and why we need a savior. And yet the gospel is reminding us again that we in fact have one and that he is faithful to us even when we're faithless, even when we've struggled and fallen short, even when Romans 7 is far too accurate of our own life, far too accurate a description of our own life. I do what I do not want to do and I don't do what I should do. Who will save me from this wretched body of death? And what is Paul's answer? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's gospel. Yes. And so so we need this and, and if to the degree that your devotional life is sort of steeped in this way of approaching the scriptures, you're brought right back to where you need to be all the time, which is repentance and faith. The Christian life is not, and I think this is another misconception, it is not, I got saved and now I'm just on the up and up all the way on the sanctification train until I get to heaven. Mm -hmm. No, the Christian life is really kind of a circular cycle in which we're being brought back to repentance and faith daily. This is why Jesus says we must die to ourselves daily. We read that and we think that must mean that I need to obey more. Well, you can understand that that 
that way. But first and foremost, the most important thing to understand is dying to yourself means dying to your own ability to save yourself, dying to (laughs) your own ability to take care of this and remembering again that you do need a savior. Yes, today, tomorrow and for the rest of eternity. Yeah, Looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, that's that's, right. That's what it's all about. I do want to make a point here, too, just for our listeners. You know, a lot of your average church going folks, they're going to say, well, law is Old Testament. Gospel is New Testament. No, 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 no. (laughs) There's law and gospel from Genesis to Revelation. And I think that's another important point to make. Very, very significant. I mean, it's a very natural thing for us to think in those terms. And yet, uh, again, going back to Jesus's statement on the road to Emmaus and other places, he's very clear that you're going to find him throughout all the pages of Scripture. And so in the Old Testament, you're going to find promises about what God will do for his people, gracious promises, unconditional promises that God makes to his people, going all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, continuing on with his call of Abram, and you name it, with his people Israel, you're going to find him fulfilling unconditional promises to his people that ultimately are fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it's all pointing forward to what Jesus is going to do to save sinners from themselves. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and kind of pivot here. And uh, I want to ask you this, how, you know, we've talked about things that us Christian folks need to keep in mind as we come to the scriptures to read in our devotional time, meditating on the scriptures, but how can coming to the word in our devotional life at times actually bring brokenness to us? You kind of alluded to it a little bit. If we take things out of context, how can that actually bring brokenness to us? And then also, how does a lack of gospel community actually factor into this? Boy, those are great questions. Uh, I'll I'll take the first one and and then move on to the second one. So devotions are a gift. Yes. And that's the first thing I think we need to understand. And so often when I hear people talk about doing your devotions, it feels like it's something that they are afraid not to do. Well, it's Uh, looked at as a spiritual discipline. And like we talked about earlier, I had Gretchen Ronovic on, in my opinion, wrote one of the best books on spiritual disciplines that's out there. And we can, we can make our devotions almost like this legalistic law thing that we must do in order to gain favor with God. And it shouldn't be that. It should just be something that we do because we want to know Jesus. We want to grow closer to Jesus. And it has no bearing on our standing before God the Father at all. That's right. That's right. And I I think sometimes, I mean, in our devotional life, because we're so prone to making things about what we do and making the law the final word over our lives, that we can do that with our devotions too. You know, my my old friend Paul Tripp used to say, each one of us has a little lawyer living in our heart. And, you know, he is not wrong. We all sort of want to make everything that we do ultimately be worth something. We want a little skin in the game when it comes to our relationship with God. But what that ends up doing is turning gifts into means of slavery. The word is not meant to be something that we're doing out of fear or out of this terror that if we don't do it enough, God's going to be displeased and we're going to be tossed aside. No, we do it because these are the means by which God has communicated to his people. Why? So that they might know him 
they might recognize how faithful he is to us. This is the point of it. The point of it is not to beat yourself over the head because you only read two chapters instead of three chapters from Deuteronomy today. That's not the point. The point is to see it as gift and use it as gift. And so let me just say this to your listeners. If you missed a day of your devotions, you're fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. You're, you're still, fine. yeah, you're just as accepted as you were the day you did your devotions. <laughs> That's right. And and guess what? You don't have to make up for the chapters you lost the day before. You right. can. That's yeah. fine. If you want to. You want to, but you don't have to. And I, I think it's just a very important thing to recognize that these things, these, these methods that God has given us, they're gifts for us. And so I think that that is a way that our devotional life can bring brokenness to us. I think also sometimes, you know, what you mentioned, uh, the second part of your question was the lack the of community, of having gospel community. Yeah. And I, I like the way you phrase it, gospel community. Mm-hmm. Again, if you've been around, well, sort of, I guess, broadly evangelical world, you are no doubt familiar with the idea of accountability groups. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and what does that end up being? I mean, almost every time it ends up being a, oh, sort of more mild-mannered, Jocko Willink, Christianized version of uh, make your bed and get tough and, you know, why aren't you quitting porn and why do you keep on struggling with the same sins? Right. All all of that has its place. Uh, The law does still function in our lives as Christians, and sometimes we need to be called out for things that we are doing that are harmful to us and our neighbors. Fair enough. But if the final word of that community isn't, in fact, the gospel— the forgiveness of sins given to us, then it will just end up being a means of enslavement and bondage to us. And eventually, as I think many of us have found out, the accountability group will not be something we look forward to, but something we dread because it just becomes another means. Oh, yeah. You're reminded we stink. Yeah, you'll, you'll be going. I can remember in my past when I was at a church and they had like this men's group and all I could think of was, oh, I didn't do ABC this week. And they're going to like ask everybody like, so how did the week go? What did you do? And like, it was almost like I didn't even want to go then. I didn't want to even engage because it was like I had this fear that I was going to be judged because I missed a couple of days or something. And that yeah. that should not be. <laughs> that should not be the kind of community that we're in. Gospel community, when I say lack of gospel community, I'm talking about people that are, again, referencing back to what we talked about in the first question, people that are actually going to help you to understand how to approach the scriptures. Because we can't have this whole, like, me and Jesus in the closet thing either. There's people in my life right now that that's their thing. You know, they're not in church, but yet they say they're a Christian and they're like Jesus in the closet. And then they're sending me like weird YouTube videos of guys that are teaching Gnostic heresy and stuff like that. So you're, you're not kidding. I I come across (laughs) this all the time too, Joshua. And I was, I was thinking about that as I, as I uh, heard your question. The fact is we need a preacher and it doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be an ordained person. But we need to hear the gospel, and we need to hear we need to hear the law and gospel. Really, we need to be telling uh, it to each other. Us all, 
Yes, all the yeah. time. We need to hear this all the time because the reality is our hearts are deceptive and wicked above all things, as Jeremiah tells us. And our hearts, if we're left to just read and interpret and do everything on our own, are going to either deceive us into believing that everything is just fine, hunky-dory, we learn to justify all our own pet sins, or on the other hand, we fall into great despair because we recognize how great of a sinner we are and we think we must not be really in the kingdom because we right. keep on struggling with this same old junk. And so what a gospel community does is come alongside of you and say, me too, brother. That's right. But thank God for Jesus. Amen. All of us, we're simultaneously sinners and saints, and we live in the already not yet. We have to remind each other of those things. That's and, absolutely correct. Yeah, totally. As you were saying that, I love, one of my favorite things that Luther ever said was how he needed the gospel preached to him like every day. It, why? Because he knew how awful a sinner he was, you know, and he needed that absolution every day. I, I, I don't, I can't quote it. I don't have it memorized, but it's just one of my favorite things that I've ever seen that Martin Luther said. Among And he, and he wasn't exaggerating things. there. No. I mean, he, he wasn't <laughs> exaggerating. That yeah. was... And, and I think some people hear that, you know, I mean, if you've been in a church, especially if you've served as a pastor for any length of time, and you make the gospel front and center each and every Sunday, you're inevitably going to have someone come to you and say, all right, you know, you keep on talking about Jesus and him crucified for the forgiveness of my sins. I got it. Okay. I understand. Can you tell me now how I'm supposed to live? Give me something to do. On what do Monday I do? Morning, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's always, what do I do? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a very natural response. And, you know, the reality is that is even just that question is showing that no, you, you need to hear both law and gospel again, mm. because we're, we're so prone to making this this all about us again. Yeah. And yes, I mean, it just, it is a constant problem. And so, so that's why Luther would say, I need to hear it every day and I need to have it proclaimed to me. And this is where it's so important to be connected into a local gospel community of Amen. some sort. In many cases, most cases, that's going to be, you know, a church body. In some cases, it might be a Bible study because you can't get to a church body or maybe the churches in your area aren't preaching the gospel. I mean, there's numerous factors that could get involved, but you need to have other Christians in your life that are able to speak truth to you because your heart is not capable of doing it itself. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that helps us to kind of understand how it can bring brokenness in our lives. And I would venture to say that both you and I, from our backgrounds and context, we've experienced that brokenness. And it wasn't until we came to understand these things that we actually enjoyed coming to the word, not looking for something to do, but looking for the guy that already did it for us, Jesus. But yeah, looking for something that was done. Amen. It amen. changes everything. Yeah. It literally totally. changes everything. Totally. So now I want to ask you this, how is it then that when, once we do understand these things and coming to the word with all of these proper categories and the proper understanding, how does that actually bring us hope and comfort in Christ? And then along with that, just like we said, lack of gospel community before, how does an actual good gospel community factor into this? And we've kind of talked about that a little bit, but we can flesh it out a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that when we are coming to the scriptures with the categories of law and gospel and we're with the actual categories that I think God has has laid out for us, not ones that we have laid over the scriptures, but the categories that God has actually shown us are there. 
then I think it radically transforms the way that we we read the scriptures and suddenly it becomes a book full of promises to us. Mm, yeah. And so if, for example, you know, I'm uh, my next long gospel devotional is on Romans chapter six, verses 12 through 23. And I'll, I'll give you a little preview of, of what I'm going to talk about there. There is this passage, you know, a lot of it is, it seems to be pretty law heavy. You know, I'm starting off at verse 12. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Well, that, that is what we call a word of law. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Well, there's a little gospel in there, but ultimately it's still an imperative. We're Mm -hmm. being told that we ought not present our members as uh, instruments for unrighteousness. But then in verse 14 of Romans 6, Paul says this, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. And here's the key word here. The word will. For sin will have no dominion over you. That is a promise. Yes. That is a promise that's a future tense promise that, and you talked about this already not yet thing. Yeah. The reality is, Already, by virtue of your standing in Christ, sin has no dominion over you. Yes. And yet you still recognize that you're struggling with sin, as Paul will very verbosely go on to proclaim in the very next chapter of this book. But at the same time, we have this promise that one day, one day, it will not have any dominion anymore. Amen. That we don't just have to live as if that's the case, which is the language Paul uses in Romans chapter six, live as if that's the way he talks about this. No, at verse 14, he says, remember, essentially, this is what's coming. Sin will have no dominion over you. And so even in the midst of passages where you're hearing not to do something or to do something more, it's as if the Apostle Paul can't resist getting people back to the gospel. So he'll even every time he's really laying into a congregation, you take, for example, the letters to the Corinthians church, uh, both first and second Corinthians. Paul is pretty harsh on them. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons to be harsh on them, too. They're just living like absolute maniacs and (laughs) calling themselves Christians. And so Paul lays into them about sexual morality and greed and coveting and treating the poor badly and you name it. I mean, it seems like a laundry list of every sin is there. And yet what does he constantly go back to referring to them as? saints Mm. all throughout the book. He keeps on calling them saints who have been bought by Jesus Christ. And so there is, again, this need for, if you're looking for it, you're going to find that the scriptures are always going to bring you back to this promise of who God says you are now and who you will be in the reality to come when we enter into his kingdom for good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we already talked about, you know, the lack of gospel community. And we, and as we were talking about that, we talked a little bit about the factor of having good gospel community. But like you said, everybody, we, we need a preacher. We need those that can exhort us properly from the word of God. We need to be exhorting one another to love and to good works. And, and when we say good works, you know, the works that God is doing through the Holy Spirit in us, which it's all him, it's not us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that has Mm -hmm. to be the context and the understanding. But I'll tell you this, for me, the best thing for me when it came to finally getting all this to a degree, and and I'm like you, it's like, 
I don't a hundred percent get it all. I'm still learning. That's the whole point. We learn from beginning to end. Uh, God has begun the work and he's going to perform it at the day of Christ. But my gospel community, man, is so important when it comes to talking about something I read in scripture. And it's like, man, I don't know if I understand this completely. I'm going to ask, you know, so-and-so about it and see what their take is on it. So I get their opinion. Then I talk to somebody else and, you know, these are all people that are educated in different ways and things like that. But then it helps me then to come to the scripture and not just read it and take it fully literally out of its context and then apply it to myself like you were talking about. It helps me to have other people speaking into what I'm reading so that I can actually fully understand it. If it's just Jesus and you in your closet, then you're going to be like listening to Gnostic heretics on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. It's it's a guarantee. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of this right now, Joshua, with um, this, eh, maybe you can call it a fad, but this sort of deconstructionist movement, oh, yeah. you know, within yeah. Christianity. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen the confession of somebody who is deconstructed and said they're leaving the Christian faith. And then they give their reasons for why they're leaving the Christian faith. And it's, you know, well, I had this question about the problem of evil and no one ever answered it. And I always think, well, goodness gracious, man. I mean, the church has been dealing with every one of these issues that you guys mentioned for 2000 years. Forever. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, there's tons and tons and tons of writings on this. There's tons of resources on this. There's tons of people probably around you that if you were to have real conversations about this could could actually help you wrestle through these things. And so more often than not, I'm convinced that the reason those things happen is one, because they don't have a good gospel community around them to help them with that. Right. And number two, more often than not, they don't have the proper categories for how to read scripture. And I think that's huge. It's just huge. If you don't see this book that God has given us as composing two overarching words, law and gospel, if you don't see that, then I'm telling you the scriptures, as Luther said, will remain a closed book to you. Mm. They just will. Yes, you'll be able to glean little pieces of advice here. Yes, you'll be able to glean some things. I'm not saying you couldn't be a Christian by, you know, not having these categories. Don't hear that. But what I'm saying is that you will not be able to get the essence of the scriptures without understanding, having a basic understanding that these are the two ways that God speaks throughout all of them. Amen. Amen. And as you all, uh, my listeners know, Pat Abendroth, a friend of this podcast and who's been on this podcast, well, what do we always hear him say on the Pactum? Categories, categories, categories. That That is important. So, Absolutely. Well, brother, lastly, uh, and again, not in a spiritual discipline sense, and we've already kind of talked about that a little bit, we're not looking at our devotional life as being some spiritual discipline, but just as you said, in, in a gift, as a gift, in a growing in the grace and knowledge of God sense, what are some suggestions that maybe you would have for our listeners that may, would maybe help their devotional life be more rewarding so that they can come to the scriptures with feelings of comfort and joy? And obviously, like you said, there's law there too, and there there has to be times where our hearts are pricked and we have to see our sin. But man, if you just stop at law and you don't get to the gospel, 
you're going to, like you said, you're going to come away in despair. So what are some suggestions maybe that you have to help the average Christian sitting in the pew as they approach the scriptures that will help them have a more rewarding time in the word? Well, it relates to so much that we've already talked about in uh, today's podcast. I, I do think using the help of others, whether it be people in your immediate context, in your local church body or whatever, or the just, I mean, endless resources that are online now, I, I realize that I am biased being that <laughs> I serve 1517, but you know, we put stuff out every day on Instagram and on YouTube. And yeah. uh, there's just endless content, blogs and videos and podcasts and you name it. it. Using stuff like that, or, you know, I've noticed you're, you're friends with the Theo Cask fellas around I here. Am. Yes. I, you know, we're, I, I'm actually in an ongoing text thread with the Theo Cask guys. So, yeah, so guys. we have a good connections with the good connection with those guys too. But, you know, you find other people that, that have this frame of reference for coming to the scriptures and you hear what they have to say. And man, if you if you take some time, and it doesn't have to be long. I mean, I know Chad Bird does minute and a half long videos each and every day yeah. on Instagram, literally going through the Bible. I do that, you know, once or twice a week myself. Little things like that can be super helpful. Little things like that can really make your time in the scriptures come to life. And then I, I would say also... Don't put too much pressure on yourself to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. Yeah. You're not called to be anything, uh, you know, maybe you are that, but that's not what you have to be in order to get wonderful good news out of the scriptures. You just need to remember those two words to go back to what we've said, the category, and then recognize ultimately, as the author of Hebrews states it, that the final word for us always and evermore is that Jesus has paid it all. Amen. So no matter how crummy you are, you're, you feel coming to the scriptures, no matter how unworthy you feel, we've all been there. We all will be there again for numerous, numerous reasons. Don't let the voice of the enemy prevent you from going to the word of God for the sustenance you need, because mm -hmm. it's there that the truth will set you free again. Amen. Amen. So it's, I'm telling you, it's the voice of the enemy that keeps you away from the scriptures because either you feel like you're not worthy enough or you mess things up too much. And it is not from heaven that that voice comes. Now, there's the, a reason the why he's heaven says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and yeah. I will give you rest. And that's what the scriptures, your time in the scriptures, ultimately, I think should bring you to a place where you feel rested. Yeah. There's a reason why the enemy's called the accuser of the brethren. Uh, Absolutely. Th th that's where the ac accusations come from, because we are told there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And just as we have said, why is that? Because of the act of obedience of Christ, he did it for you. And just like right. Eric just said, Jesus paid it all. He said the words on the cross, it is finished. Mm -hmm. It's done. He he did it for you, and man, you can rest in that. That that's what this is all about. I mean, Eric mentioned Theocast. You guys know, like rest in Christ. You know, they were really the inspiration for me starting this podcast. And we're all about theological themes for the broken to bring hope and encouragement in Christ. Fifteen seventeen. They are all about helping you to understand the scriptures and see Christ in them and understand who He was for you. Just like Eric said, man, there is so many good resources out there that you can glean from. There's podcasts, there's articles, so many things. Now, there's a lot of bad stuff out there, too. And again, that's where gospel community comes in. 
you know, so that you can ask people. That's one thing I love about the Theocast Facebook group that I'm a part of is somebody says, hey, look at this podcast or look at this article. What do you guys think of this? And then they have people that understand these categories and they're like, "Ah, you may want to steer clear of that. Or they're like, oh man, that's great. You need to listen to that all day, every day. So get involved, man, in gospel community, in, in your church, as long, again, as it's a good gospel preaching church that it understands these things. Just reach out to people and have that gospel community because it will really help give you a rewarding devotional life and help you understand what you're reading. Yeah. And I I would also, I mean, if you're just as an add on to this, if you're looking for a couple books to try and understand law and gospel a little better that I think are genuinely accessible to sort of the average everyday Christian uh, there are a couple off the top of my head that I'd recommend. Um, Mockingbird Ministries has a book, real, real short little book, just entitled Long Gospel, that really kind of spells out the basics for you. And I think it does so in a very practical, very approachable way. Uh, and then also maybe a little bit more intense, but still very accessible is John Pless's Handling the Word of Truth. Hmm. Uh, both of those books, they're short, they're not long, but they give you a framework for how to come to the scriptures. Uh, and there's certainly others out there that are in the Reformed tradition. This is not something that's exclusive to my tradition in Lutheranism. Uh, the uh, the Reformed tradition also has these categories of law and gospel. And they so, do. I, uh, you know, like um, Brian Chapel's Christ-centered preaching is a wonderful book, although it's it is kind of seminary level, but mm-hmm. it also does a good job. It's a little bit different in its categories, but it does a good job of of helping us mine the scriptures in the same way. And there's there's certainly others that are out there that have been helpful to people as well. Michael Horton's done great work on this too. So there's tools to help you in this if, if this is sort of a a new way of approaching God's word. There's tools out there to help and there's other people out there to help you as you mine your way through this. Amen. Amen. Well, Eric, it has been a joy and a blessing to have you on the Broken Vessels podcast. This has been a great episode. I think it's in a sense, on a practical level, I think it's going to be real helpful for people. I know like for me, if I would have listened to something like this five, 10 years ago, it would have been revolutionary for me. And so I, I hope Lord willing, what we've shared today with you, the listener is going to really give you in a sense, the tools that you need or the understanding that you need to be able to come to the scriptures and, and to find comfort and peace and joy in who Christ is for you. But Eric, would you uh, please go ahead and share like anything you would like to share as far as like your website or any books or Twitter handle, anything you'd like to share so that people can kind of connect with you? Sure. Uh, so I, I'm not too active on most social media platforms, but I am on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Pastor Eric. It's E-R-I-C-K. And also on Instagram at Eric, E-R-I-C-K, Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N, 1517. And of course, you can find all sorts of things that I've written and produced at 1517.org. And lastly, if you're interested in reading up on me and uh, my co-host on 30 Minutes in the New Testament and our views on uh, the parables of Jesus, we wrote a short little book together called Scandalous Stories, a sort of commentary on the parables of Jesus. 
And I'd encourage you to check that out if you're interested in learning more. Yeah, definitely. And like we've said at the beginning, you know, check out 30 Minutes in the New Testament. You can find it on all the podcast platforms as well as the Law Gospel devotional. And, you know, Eric contributes in a lot of ways. You can find him on YouTube as well. In fact, when I looked you up on YouTube, there's like all kinds of like sermons and things like that from the past. So that that would be real helpful for folks too. So, yep, there's tons of stuff online. I don't even know where all of it's at, but (laughs) you can find it. All right. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, come to the Word of God and see Christ there and know that He loves you and that He died for you, and that even though the law condemns you, Christ has absolved you through His finished work on the cross. Hope in that, trust in that, look to Christ the author and finisher of your faith as you come to the scriptures and read them and meditate on them. Thanks again for joining the Broken Vessels podcast, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 